We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to The Uncontested an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and brought to you this week by harrys.com slash bluewire. You can find us anywhere you download your podcasts and at bluewirepods.com. Today, I have Kamiar with me. Hello. I went to sleep at 5 and it's 10, 30, 11 right now. And I have Justin with me. I did not go to sleep at five. I should. Have t- I feel very well rested. I should have done what Justin did, and maybe even what Taylor did. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor uh, was supposed to be here. Yeah, we. So rare occurrence where we are all in the same room, uh, and Taylor was supposed to be with us recording a podcast today, but slept through his alarm and did not show up. So shout out to Taylor. You know, he'll see us at lunch and at the game, though. Yeah, but he'll still be sad. So the game referring to the big three is in Oklahoma City today. I'm just going to scream Perry's name the entire time. Perry! <laughs> like the wrestle lady. PJ3! Um, so yeah, we're going to go watch the big three. Um, hopefully Perry uh, pays attention to us. Yeah, has to. So we've got some stuff to talk about. Let's just jump right into it. Since our last podcast, a report has come out, a joint report by Adrian Wojnarowski and Royce Young of ESPN, mm-hmm. that there does not seem to be a deal to be made for Chris Paul for a trade currently. 
and the likelihood is increasing that Chris Paul will start the season in an Oklahoma City uniform. I'm excited. And in the in the report, Woj says that he may even end the season yeah. in an Oklahoma City Thunder uniform. First off, let, let let's start with that last bit of information. Do you guys think Chris Paul ends the season in a Thunder uniform? Maybe. That's a cop out answer, but I think I think he could. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility based off the things that have been reported that you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get moved, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him in the season hit the market next summer, mm. try again when when teams are in different situations financially where maybe maybe there's a better suitor out there for him. So so Justin, give me your percentage then. What percentage is he on the team at the end of the season? What percentage is he gone? Um don't say fifty fifty, I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it like a thirty percent chance he's on the team at the end okay. of the season. So seventy percent gone, thirty percent stays. I think and that's I think that's more my heart than my head. Okay. I, I, I think uh Give it, give it till December fifteenth when some more money opens up. And I think, from what we've heard about Chris Paul and him not really necessarily wanting to be in Oklahoma City, I think that he's going to be motivated, maybe most of all, to to find a new team. And if that means you know a partial buyout, kind of taking some money off the back end to make him a little more palatable to other teams, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the avenue that it went. Come here. You know, it's it's an interesting thing that about Chris Paul because his contract is actually a year shorter than Russ's. The issue is is that Chris Paul gets hurt a lot. And he's four years older. And he's four years older. But maybe in some aspects a more effective point guard, especially um he's a more effective point guard regarding maybe styles of offense than what Russell Westbrook is. Like like in four years do you think Russell Westbrook is going to be playing at the high at a high level as he is maybe like right now? Because Chris Paul, he plays in such a way that it kind of preserves his body to not necessarily preserves his body, but preserves like his playmaking ability. It's more suited to his age. Yeah, it, because he's not like high flying everywhere. He's got he's adjusted to the Dwayne Wade kind of playing style to where he can go about and still be very highly effective when he is healthy, when his hamstrings and legs are good. And I mean, he's got three years left on his deal though. So he's got 1920, 2021 in the player option and 21, 22. And that's the thing is the, the report saying, Oh, well the a deal is not likely to be sought after sought after right now is there's, they had, they, they can deal Chris Paul. If they wanted to. Yeah, it's just they would have to sell off assets to probably do so. They right? would have to yep. give it at least two picks. Yeah. And okay, see in a rebuilding mode, they're like, Yeah, we'll be willing to suffer with Chris Paul. I mean, like, how, suffer. How, do, how do you yeah, and you say <laughs> suffer with Chris Paul who's a former how many time all star? And uh they'll be willing to play with Chris Paul, um, with the idea that they're not gonna give away those picks. We're not there's Miami we're not giving those picks back is what Sam Presti would be saying to that. So I wouldn't blame it. And you know what? During the season, when there's so much parity in the NBA right now, it sucks that there's so much parity in the NBA right now when the Thunder are no longer a part of that parity. They're a part of rebuilding for the future. That, I mean, somebody's going to get desperate at the trade deadline, and somebody's going to want to de- 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 dump assets. That's why uh, Gallinari is going to be a really good piece in February. Uh, Chris Paul's going to be a really good piece in February. I mean, you got a couple of pieces in February that are, that are really nice 
because and Dennis Schroeder because there's so much parity in the NBA and you have guys that are above average players or just elite three-point shooters like a Gallinari. It was what matters. So Chris Paul, do I think he ends the season in OKC? OKC has three starting level point guards right now. I think they deal Schroeder maybe before Chris Paul because it's easier. Uh, so I would say, yes, he finishes the season in OKC, mm-hmm. like probably a 75% chance. Interesting. Okay. Um, another report had come out. Uh, I forget who dropped this one, but they said basically that there was a deal for the Thunder to trade Chris Paul to Miami if Chris Paul would have guaranteed that he would not pick up that player option in the final season, which to me is just the most no shit yeah. comment ever. <laughs> That's $44 million. Hey, we'll trade for Chris Paul if he'll weigh $45 million when yeah. he's 37 years old. Yeah. Well, no shit. Every team in the league would do that then. Right. You know, if it's a two-year deal, it's completely different. So, I mean, you they, maybe they thought him and Cliff Paul could combine their salaries there you go. And Maybe they can get Oscar. The also. Oscar and all the Allstate money. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I think that, that Chris Paul will start the season on the Thunder. I think both sides are going to be pretty motivated to try to find a deal throughout the year. Uh, to me, the the comments that you know the Thunder are excited to have him and blah, 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 I I don't doubt that, but I also think that's just like, Oklahoma City front office speak, don't burn bridges, yeah. you know? Hey, sure. I, hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to have Chris Paul. Not because, like, I'm very, I love Chris Paul. Not because I think he's the best player in the world, but because, I mean, when we're in, like, junior high, rooting for the Hornets, he, young Chris Paul was there with David West, yep. and J.R. Smith came along a little bit later. And, I mean, he, like, that was, like, the first era of OKC basketball, and everybody was excited. And, like, if you walked into school with that black OKC Hornets shirt, you were the coolest dude in the freaking school. I still have mine. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying, man. Like, does that's it still a, fit? That's no. A, <laughs> no, it does not. I a, think it's an adult small. <laughs> that's a good shirt. So it's, like, I mean, I'm excited just to have him back, not because I, I like him, because I think he's kind of a whiny little, little bitch, but it's, like, um, it's nostalgic. It's really cool to have another point guard that's a high-caliber point guard that knows what he's doing. He's experienced. And, I mean, there's there's a few point guards that would like to lead the team, especially from an experienced standpoint. And I think Chris Paul isn't necessarily a bad fit with a Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, so, I mean, I'm not losing sleep at night over yeah. it. Here, here's my fear of Chris Paul being on this team. Uh, it's kind of twofold. Number one is that... Just his locker room problems in the past, uh, you know, there's been rumblings of of him in Los Angeles with the Clippers and Blake Griffin, him in Houston with James Harden. And and I worry about there becoming issues in Oklahoma City. Um, The one thing that, like, because I've been thinking about that, is that concerns me too, to be clear. Just he's, he's got a reputation as being a bit of a, a challenging teammate. I think the thing that makes this situation unique versus the other two that you mentioned, one, there's not another star. Yeah. If it was was Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, that's a different story, but there's not, there's not somebody else that I think he's going to be maybe butting heads with or competing for that 
kind of alpha dog position. Is he going to be at odds with Dennis Schroeder? Right. Or Steven Adams. Can yeah. you picture Steven yeah, Adams right. like getting in an argument? But on, on the flip side, it's also, it's also the, the rebuilding nature. Like they're not, they're not trying to win a championship. And I think that should take the edge off a little bit. I think part of the reason that Chris Paul was maybe perceived as being a difficult teammate, similar to Russell and that he's competitive. He wants to win. He's trying to win a title. I think maybe knowing that in Oklahoma City, that's not necessarily his primary mm-hmm. goal is to win a title. It's more about you know proving his value, doing what he can to kind of help the young guys along. Maybe that brings out a different side of Chris Paul that we haven't seen on those Clippers teams or those Rockets teams. Yeah, and th- so the the other part that kind of worried me was, and and I don't think they're good enough to get here. But the Thunder lose their draft pick if it's pick twenty one through thirty. Uh, do I think they're good enough to to get a record to where they get the pick twenty one through thirty? No, um, especially with how competitive the West is going to be. I think I think there's going to be especially when they sell off half their assets at the deadline. Right. Yeah, so I, I I think they'll be safe there. But that's that was just the other thing that kind of sits there for me is like the Thunder want to cash in those picks. Yeah, you know for sure. So that that part gets gets interesting as well. Well, we've been talking about other players on the on the Thunder roster, so let's kind of transition. What do you think starting lineup opening night looks like? I I'm pretty confident mm-hmm. that we all feel pretty good that Chris Paul will start at point guard, mm-hmm. yep. Stephen Adams will start at center, mm-hmm. Danilo Gallinari will start at power forward. Yeah. So it's the other two wing spots where where it. There, there, there might be some give and take there. So, who do you guys think starts in those other two positions? At the two, uh, Shea Gillis Alexander because he can be a combo guard. I mean, he's six foot six with seven one wingspan. Yeah, he. I saw on Basketball Reference they do the percentage that a player has played at like each spot on the floor. And last year he played forty nine percent of his minutes at the shooting guard position. Yeah, and that's and that's because they had. Teodosic early on in the season and stuff like that. And they had so, Pat Bev. And Pat Beverly. So, I mean, he can play off ball, which is good. And uh, so I expect him to play the 200%. I think the main question we're asking is, who starts at the three? Yeah. Do you agree be, that SGA starts at the two, I think Justin? It's, I think it's a likely possibility, if not opening night at some point and probably huh. frequently throughout the season. And you said SGA. And speaking of SGA, I mean... I'm wearing our uncontested SGA OKC shirts and oh plug it's, it's really comfy guys and uh, and it looks good it looks good and the material actually like it's not like that cheap garbage stuff like it's really nice like material like that's very comf- comfortable so but anyway sorry it's a go plug. buy shirts go buy shirts I'm pay my it. bills yep <laughs> um I think the question we're asking is who's starting at the three. That's where it gets interesting. You could say right. Robertson or Ferguson, right? I think that's, I, I think that's the, 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 the two, two main sons. Ones. The yeah. two sons. And, I mean, are you going to go defense? Because CP3, Shea Gilgis, Gallinari, and Steven Adams offer you some sort of offensive prowess. Whether yep. it's yep. Steven can set all the screens and... Chris Paul is going to be... Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis are going to be better on the screens than Russ is. I'm sorry. I love Russ, but he was not patient a lot. And he assist hunted sometimes. So what? Okay. But anyways, um, I think Chris Paul and a Stephen Adams 
pick and roll is going to be really good. Oh, Stephen Adams will average twenty two and ten. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is like Stephen Adams no longer with an idea of of the Russ, you know, jump starting the offense and heading down court. OKC can now suddenly it's going to be really weird to see OKC do work in the half court this year. But anyways, um, you can insert a Ferguson who maybe not at the level as Andre Robertson defensively, but he can take a another big step forward offensively to where he, we saw him at the end of the last season, shooting mid-range, attacking closeouts a little more, dribbling, putting the ball on the floor. Um, his stroke is, you know, what did he finish last year? Like 37%, something like that? Yeah. And, I mean, if he takes another step forward, especially being able to handle the ball, he's a really good option. But at the same time, if Andre Robertson comes back and is 90%, 80% the player he was, that's a defensive stopper to where if you are in the half court, that's a really good player to have, and he might cover up some of Gallinari's defensive deficiencies, him and Steven Adams. So I think it's a unique thing you can have, and I think, honestly, they might start the year with Robertson just because he's a veteran and he's he can guard one through four, but it might transition out to Ferguson. I don't know. That's I, I yeah. know it's a cop out, but I, there's just so many ways you can think about that three position. So, so here's something interesting to think about. Um, excluding Steven Adams from this because he doesn't shoot threes. If you started Ferguson at the three and Shea Gilgis-Alexander at the two, um, your point guard shot 36% from three last year on six attempts per game in Chris Paul. Your power forward, Gallinari, shot 43.3% from three last year on 5.5 attempts per game. Your small forward, Terrence Ferguson, Shot thirty seven percent from three on four attempts per game. Get to that gallows. I just did a gallow. Forty three point three on Gosh. like five and a half attempts a game. Yeah. So good. And then Shea Gilgis Alexander at the two shot thirty seven percent on one point seven attempts per game. And that's in his first season. So basically, if you started Ferguson, your half court offense is a Chris Paul Steven Adams spread prick and roll with <laughs> everyone as a capable shooter including chris paul if someone goes under that screen and that was what billy donovan was supposed to be bringing to okc was the spread pick and roll that offense would be incredibly good obviously it doesn't work the same way if andre robertson starts at the three for you which kind of leads me to think especially in the this idea of flip rebuilding that you you start ferguson at the three even though he might be slightly undersized for a three uh, in the modern NBA, and you play Robertson off the bench. Well, hell, you could. Gildas Alexander is more suited to play the three than Ferguson is because he's six six and got a seven one wingspan. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. That's that's my biggest concern with Ferg is just his length and his height, guarding the the small forward spot. Like there's you gonna know, be some really unfavorable matchups. I've got a really good idea. I don't know how wide his wingspan is, but Ferguson is an inch taller than Shea Gilgis. I've got a really good idea. Okay. Positionless basketball. Hey, there you go. Shea at the five. Let's go. I mean, it's just like, because if you had Robertson out there, like offensively, what's that do for you? But at the same time, like rewind back to 2016 they used him as a power forward on offense and then a one through four defender on defense. Yep. yep. So, I mean, yep. it's again, it's positionless basketball. You do what you are good at. Mm-hmm. Cutting to the rim, defending the best player. And so, I mean, so, Andre Robertson setting screens is a much more effective screen than a Terrence Ferguson setting a screen. Um, 
to to flip gears just a little bit here. So we just talked about if it's a Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Terrence Ferguson, Danilo Gallinari, Stephen Adams starting lineup, how you have like a crazy amount of shooting there. Then you look at the bench, which would probably be Dennis Schroeder. For now. Hamadou Diallo. God help us. Nerlens Noel. I'm down with that. Andre Robertson. So your bench has like zero shooting. Musky. And then musky. So one shooter. <laughs> Got musky. So it's kind of funny because in, in, in our hypothetical here. Did you say the, Patrick Patterson? No, I did not include him. And then Awkward. Deontay Burton's getting better. Yeah. Yeah. But so so in a hypothetical starting lineup, you're going to have four shooters and one non-shooter, and then your bench will have one shooter and four non-shooters. Well, I th- I th- that, and that's why I was thinking that you won't see Shea Gildas on the floor with CP3 a lot, and you won't see Dennis Shooter on the floor with those two a lot either. Just They're going to do a lot of staggering because you have three starting caliber point guards yeah. on your team, and they all have different styles of games, right? CP3 is more of an assist, pure point guard. Dennis Shooter is more like... Uh, uses uses athleticism and get to the cup when he can. And Shea Gilgis is like, he's still finding his way, and he's a very tall, lengthy point guard. And he's he's got some mid-range game. He's His three-point shot, I imagine he's, he wants to improve that. And he's kind of a pick-and-roll guy, but also find your own kind of shot sort of guy. So you have three different styles of point guards. So you can plug and play them with a lot of other people. So I mean, I mean, yes, you have Dennis Shooter, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Shea Gillis on the floor with Dennis Shooter, along with Patrick Patterson and Nerlens and and uh, Deontay Burden. But at the yeah. same time, wouldn't be surprised to see CP3 with a Shooter on the bench. So I think they're going to stagger a lot until we figure out who's going to be on the team after probably another trade relatively soon. So let's shift gears a little bit here. We've been talking about what the starting lineup will look like, maybe what the bench lineup will look like. In comparison to the rest of the Western Conference, do you guys think that the Thunder can compete for one of those last two playoff spots? So I have all the Western Conference teams pulled up here. I am going to tell you the name of the team, and then I just want you two to either tell me, yes, they're making the playoffs, or no, they're not making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And let's see, or... Should they? Okay, let's go with should they. We'll go through all 15. We'll see how many we have in the playoffs at the end and then start trimming the fat. Uh, Justin, I'm starting with you. Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. yeah. In? Call yeah, me on. yeah, they should be in. Okay. Golden State Warriors. <laughs> uh, Why did you have to say them was, second? Can you, can you come back later? That. Uh, no, just tell me. Do you think, not will they be in, do you think they should make the playoffs? No. No. Okay, then put them on the no list. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Houston Rockets. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Los Angeles Clippers. Yes. Yes. San Antonio Spurs. God, who knows? No. Uh, There's going to be so many good teams that don't make it. Give me a... Put the Spurs on the yes list. Give me a no. New Orleans Pelicans. No. No. Utah Jazz. Yes. Yes. Dallas Mavericks. You know what? Give me a yes on that one. Oh, interesting. Uh, yes. They've got Luka. Okay. They've got Porzingis. 
don't know. <laughs> we got a lot of white people. More white yeah. guys. A lot of white folks. But they're of, good. A lot of the European Portland Trailblazers. Yes. Yeah. Denver Nuggets. Yes. Yeah. Phoenix Suns. No. no. Oh, damn. Bummer. Sacramento Kings. Kings. Yes. Give me a yes. That is a good team. They almost made it last year. With a good coach. Yes. Minnesota Timberwolves. No. Everybody else is a no. Memphis Grizzlies. No. No. Okay, so you know. And then the last team is Oklahoma City. So how many did we say yes on? Eight. Okay, we said yes on eight. So Bang. And we left the Warriors out of that. I mean, like, I mean, I said yes on eight. And the ones I left off were Golden State, San Antonio, New Orleans. Okay. So the the yeses that we had, can the Thunder make a push to bump one of them out and get in the eight spot? No. You know what? Early on, I'll say OKC is going to win games and people will show up to the peak and they'll be relatively excited. False but hope. I think, but I think <laughs> that they'll sell everything off in February and suck. Yes, basically, and that's what a lot of teams do. Yeah, and because you know, like you know, five years ago when in when OKC was like really, really, really rocking and really good, and like con- consistently expected to go to the NBA Finals or the Western Conference Championship. People were just like, like you look around at the league and you're like, why are they selling off that team? Like they they can make the playoffs. I think the Kings did it not that long ago or something yeah. like that. And it's you're like it's you're not in rebuild mode, so I'm not thinking like why would they do that? But then in a further look, it's like oh they want to a get money from the crowd because they need ticket sales, but also b they need to tank. So I mean I think OKC would appear to compete in the first half of the season but once february hits and once galinari isn't on the team once maybe a shooter's on the team once robertson maybe isn't on the team because he isn't expiring it's gonna look different yep i i do think they'll be entertaining people will get excited at the beginning of the season yeah because they'll be after we all kind of accepted the rebuild i think they're going to be better than where we initially thought they were going to be this year but i mean Look at the West. We all agree the West is harder this year than last year. Yeah. Right? And Oklahoma City's team is not going to be as good as last year, right? Yeah. And there was a moment last year towards the end of the season where we were like, I don't know if Oklahoma City, like, are they going to get the eighth seed? Yeah. And that conversation was happening with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Mm -hmm. So without those two, I don't see any way that in a tougher Western Conference, they're going to find themselves in those top eight spots. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So it's it's going to be fascinating. And my worry is that fans start to get that hope and the team plays good. And then when we sell off those assets at the trade deadline, well, why are we doing that? We were playing well. well you know, and, and looking again at things on a micro level yep. and not on a broad scale. Um, well, before we move on, guys, uh, we have something that we need to talk about. We've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor, the lubricating strip, and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You can get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shading by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, 
So they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for only $3. Those are some good razors, man. 100% 10 out of 10 would buy again. Very nice. Let's uh, let's shift from Thunder Talk and let's go to, because here in just about an hour, we're heading out to the Big Three oh, tournament yeah. at the Chesapeake Energy Arena. Maybe we'll see Big Baby Davis take off a shirt in the crowd oh, like he did last and, time. And the shorts. Yeah. Please. Yes. He looks like a human. <laughs> like He looks like the human version of what it would look like if you took a lot of gum and chewed it and just spit it out. Oh my god. He kind of looks like I'm very gum, I'm forgetting gumpy. the name. What's the big um like Michelin man looking guy from from Ghostbusters? The marshmallow man? Oh, the, the puff puff stay guy? puffed. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what Glenn B- Big Baby Davis you Guys looks remember like. when Mitch McGarry is running him up and down the court so much that he was like <laughs> he hurt his back, and then Mitch McGarry, like, his body was like he was so broken. And Mitch, all he did was post like he boxed him out once, and then Glenn had to leave the game because, <laughs> hit the ground because looked like a yeah. sniper got him. Yeah, gosh, I, I miss I miss early Mitch McGarry. You when, think Mitch McGarry can still run like that? No, mm, his lung capacity is probably really good. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> So the big three coming to town. We get to go see Perry Jones. If you haven't listened to our old Perry Jones podcast from a few months ago, right? Yeah, March. Back in March. It was fun. Really good podcast. Really good. Uh, Perry was was very open and candid, and it was it was awesome. Uh, awesome guy. Really tall guy. Really tall guy. Except, eh, well, not well, that tall. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Perspective, buddy. Had me by a couple inches. I mean, yeah, it's not fair. Uh, really cool interview with Perry, though. So we get to go see him tonight. So, I want to ask you guys, what current NBA old guys should think about after this season joining the big three? Hmm. Anybody jump off the page at you? Chris Paul. <laughs> God, man. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Uh, I, I'm trying to Vince think. Vince Carter? Kyle Korver. Oh, Korver would be a good one. I'm trying to think. Vince Carter. Just, Vince Carter would not. he'd sell some tickets. Kendrick Perkins. I know he's not in Man. the NBA right now. My boy know. loves the TV too much. Yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you a player that probably could go from the big three to the NBA. Who? Joe Johnson looks real good, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's been cooking people. Yeah, I mean, and probably because not at the NBA caliber, but at that nobody else is at that level. But it's just like, why did he leave dude, the NBA? I was, did you watch it? Yeah, I was watching yesterday. Katino Mobley. Yeah, he looks like he's like Grandma almost sixty. Ball. Yeah, and he he's only forty three. He's only forty three. Yeah. Oh god. I mean, it's like it's like Uncle Drew style out hey, there. Grandpa where he's got the gray ball. beard, but he's just he's crossing people over. Yeah, it's amazing. He can hoop. He can hoop. Oh, I got I got one for you for big three. JJ Barea. Oh, that's Please. also a good one. Yeah. Um, Dirk would never do it, but Dirk would be so Dirk much fun. Dirk would be great. Dirk would cook everybody up. Somebody asked, um, oh, who they, they asked, who's the uh, guy that told Serge he was going to do stuff to Dunleavy? his mouth? Dunleavy? 
No, Stephen Jackson. Stephen Jackson. Jackson. Somebody after a big three game asked Stephen if Kobe could handle the physicality of the big three. And Stephen Jackson just looked at him and was like, are you stupid? Like, yes, Kobe, Kobe, could, Kobe could still play in the NBA. And then like he got on the mic was like, Kobe, please come play. Um, okay. So what guys, not old guys in the NBA, but just what NBA players would you find it amusing that their career devolves in the next two or three years that they are in the big three? Draymond Green. That was my number one answer. <laughs> that's, really, that's really mean. Sorry. Um, who else would, would it just be humorous to see them end up 100% Lance Stevenson? Oh yeah. J.R. Smith. Yeah. I'm going to say one that's going to maybe step on some toes for the uh, 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 alcohol. <laughs> Are you ready for it? Yeah. And it's Cantor. Oh yeah. Oh, that makes me sad. That it makes me sad, sad too, but it kind of fits. He's a good big man. It kind of fits. He's basically the same player as cat. Oh God! That's spicy. Yeah, they, I don't think I'm ready for that. They don't play defense either of them, and they're both really good at offense. No, Cat has a better offensive. Like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I love the long delay before the cat. Cat has more. He's Cat's more has more Swiss Army knife like attributes to his offensive game, but him and Cantor, they're really good offensively. Can't do anything on defense. Just yeah, saying, just saying. Yeah, cat. I I I wonder how Andrew much... Wiggins is going to end up in the big three after having. Oh that god, that's sad. That's one hundred percent real though. That's real. Yeah. Mellow, Mellow should join. It. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good. That one. is a really good one. Um, he can go up against hulked out. Oh Bibby. yeah. <laughs> you know who one hundred percent is joining the big three whenever they're done with their NBA career? Dion freaking waiters. <laughs> Don't tell me I'm wrong because you know I'm right. I think he has too much pride. That's incredible. I love that idea. Oh, man. I would just let him go ISO every possession. And one! It's his dream. Okay, we got a question about this too from at OKC Obstinacy. What three current Thunder players would you put on a big three team? So I would go for versatility. And I think... We're not talking old guys anymore. We're just talking players in general. For versatility purposes, I really like SGA. His size really gives him a lot of of options, a lot of different types of guys that he can guard. I think uh, Gallo makes a lot of sense because... Stretch the floor. He can hit that four-point shot. He can hit that four-point shot. And then at center, I probably go with Nerlens because I like his athleticism. He can rotate over and block shots. Exactly. Whereas a guy like Steven maybe, you know, can't guard people out on the perimeter as much, maybe gets caught with some slow feet a little bit. I like Nerland's, uh for his athletic prowess. Nice. I and like it. If we're talking about just like, it's just because when I think of like big three, I'm just talking about like three on three pickup basketball, like in the yeah. tournaments and stuff like that. And I mean, realistically, if they could stay healthy, CP3... Gallo and Steven Adams. I don't see how you stop that. That'd be a fun team. It would be good. And like Steven Adams, like, although like maybe not he's not versatile on the perimeter. Um man, you're not gonna stop a CB three Steven Adams pick and roll with that much space. Yeah. Um in a in a three on three match, especially with a, a Gallinari in the corner or something like that. So it it's intriguing. And Gallinari can post up and he can shoot the fadeaways and he was 
incredibly. And he was one of the leaders in the NBA in efficiency last year. Yep. So, I mean, man, that, that would be a good, good lineup. Not that there. they would win, but just in order to sell tickets and get people to turn on their TV screens, I might put Hamadou Diallo on my team. Dunk, dunk. Just get a lot of dunks. Dunk, dunk. Hamadou, Baisley, and Burton. <laughs> Out of those three, who's going to have the best NBA career? That's hard to say because we have no clue anything about Baisley, really. And although Burton looks like the better player right now, he's four or five years yep. older than, than Hamadou is. Okay, Baisley or Diallo is going to have the better career? Uh, again, I don't know enough about Baisley. I'm gonna, ask, I'm gonna, me, ask me this one year from now. I think Baisley already has a lot better mechanics than I was Diallo just, does. I'm going to say this might be a hot take, but I'm going to say Baisley. I think Baisley's size and ability to handle the ball is, is this is maybe his best attribute so far. And Diallo cannot handle the ball still. That's, I love Diallo. I think he has a pretty firm ceiling yeah. on how good he can be in the NBA. He's athletic and he can jump real high. And there's lots of guys in the NBA that fit that bill. Uh, Baisley's intriguing because of his frame and his ball handling skills. You know, I'm not... Not gonna compare him to he who must not be named, but yeah. there's another six nine guy that had really good ball handling handling skills that played in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And I mean I've heard some people kind of say, you know, Baisley reminds them of Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Baisley, his shot, because Diallo, he's had the he had the ball ripped so many times from him during summer league, and he just needs to not handle the ball. And when he shot the ball, even though he's wearing a shooter sleeve for some reason, <laughs> he still like he still has that weird hitch in the shot. It, he shoots on the way going down because of the hitch in the shot. Basically, you can tell basically they spent a year at New Balance recreating or refining his skills. Working with Mike Miller. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like the, the, They spent a year doing Mike Miller's that. always looked like a juggalo to me. <laughs> well, he is a juggalo. Whoop, whoop. He has the tattoo, doesn't he? I don't think he has Does a juggalo he? tattoo. If I'm, he's got a Hatchet Man tattoo, oh my god! I'm pretty sure he has a tattoo. Amazing. I'm looking it up right I mean, now. He has lots of tattoos, but I, yeah. But I mean, Baisley, I think, has a much higher ceiling than Diallo, and I think he's already ahead of him in some aspects of his game, whether it be shooting, maybe, maybe not finishing. But definitely ball handling, handling skills, especially for a guy that massive. This is this may be slightly off topic, but I don't feel like we've ever like fully talked about Baisley yeah. just because of everything that's happened since right. we drafted, drafted Baisley, and then it was like, oh, Paul George trade. Yeah, we Jeremy drafted Baisley, and it was like, why did we draft this guy if we're trying to win now? And then the team blew up, and here we are. What do you guys think about that that New Balance move versus you think about he was he was going to go to Syracuse. Do you think, you know, working out with a guy like Mike Miller and training and doing all that kind of stuff was as beneficial to him as maybe kind of being under the the tutelage of a guy like Jim Beheim and being in a competitive basketball environment? Like, I don't know. I, it's intriguing to me. What do you guys think about that that move, and where do you think he would have been had he had he gone to Syracuse? So it's interesting, and and I don't know if his move is going to be the blueprint for people moving forward. But for his situation specifically, he got drafted in the first round and he just made a million dollars. Right. Like, Up to this point, it's a success yeah, for get sure. Get that bag, bro. Like he, he did 
I, I don't see why, if that is what you can get, I don't know why you would go a different direction, you know? And for each person, it's it's different, you know? We're starting to see now a lot of these these high school kids, instead of going to play college ball, they're going over to play in Australia. Right. You know? Like Ferguson. And so, yeah, Ferguson, and then now the youngest ball kid, yeah. and then the, the other kid that's really high next year's class, all going to Australia to play. And so it's just, it's fascinating, these different routes. It seems like the kids are valuing making money. Um, obviously, Baisley's is different because he didn't go overseas to play ball. He just didn't play ball. And there he, was no competitive. Yeah. He, he just, he worked yeah. on perfecting his craft without being in a competitive but system. It, you think about it, it's no different than like what a guy like Andre Robertson's been doing for the last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. It's a fascinating thing. It's an interesting way to go about it. Um, interesting, and, too, that both Ferguson and Baisley are Rich Paul clients. Yes, yes. And interesting that the Thunder liked, targeted, and selected both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, two guys that took different routes to get to the NBA, um, the, the the Thunder go for them. And, again, the Rich Paul client thing that – just Sam Presti does not seem like a guy that would yeah. be on the same wavelength as a Rich Paul. And so I, it, it's just all kind of fascinating to me. And yet before Nerlens fired him, they had three Rich Paul clients on the roster, which yep. is wild. Well, and then last season, they they still had three because Keith Morris oh, yeah, was, right. was Rich Paul. That's right. It's interesting. I think that, you know, I remember reading an article on draft night about Baisley and I think there was a quote from Rich Paul where he was just talking about like I don't think the the G League would have been good for him. You've got these guys that their only objective is to try to get their shot in the NBA. So you think about playing against that competition, he just he just said I didn't think it would be, you know, beneficial for him. And so when I think about what the NBA is clearly trying to do with that new contract option where guys can go play in the G League for a year and get paid uh, it's interesting the, that a guy like Rich Paul would be pretty clearly steering him away from that yeah. option. Now, obviously, the age change, that, that changes everything in a couple years. So so let's shift a little bit more. Let's go league-wide. Comier, uh, you have some some numbers and odds on title contenders for next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so run us through that, and let's chat about that real quick. So on ESPN, they, they labeled the tiers of title contenders whether it's first tier middle tier and third tier and then they talked about the nba title odds for the 2019-20 season and so let's go down the title contenders first before we go down to title odds they labeled the this is the first tier top tier of guys willing to not willing to but guys most likely to secure the title the larry o'brien trophy uh the lakers clippers and the bucks that's the first tier they said second tier Rockets and the Sixers, the third tier, the Warriors, and the Utah Jazz. Thoughts? I think the first tier is obvious. I think the first tier is spot on. I mean, I don't, I don't know that anybody would pick three teams other than Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks in that top three. You could maybe make the argument to add. Like, is Brooklyn a there a year from today? Who knows? It, it depends how KD's recovery goes. Yeah. True. Is he going to be KD again? If so, I'm, then absolutely. I, I do feel pretty confident he'll come back pretty close to what he was because Durant's game isn't predicated on athleticism nearly as much as it is on skill. 
yeah. he'll still be able to shoot. He'll still be able to do a lot of the stuff he does. Um, I'm with you though, Justin. That top three is is spot on. Lakers, Clippers, Milwaukee. I also find it interesting that five out of the seven total teams you just listed, only two are in the east. are in the east. So it's a very heavy Western um, list there. So that's that's kind of fascinating. I think the Kings are better than the Warriors, and I'm upset. Oh, I wow. think I think that that bottom tier is the most interesting to me. I think Utah could put be put in the middle tier. Yeah, yeah. That's I think Utah's better than the bottom tier, and I'm yeah. not sure the Warriors should be there, yeah. mostly because of Clay's injury. Right. Like if Clay was going to be healthy all year, then I could yeah, see sure, it. you've got fine. the you've got the old Big, Splash yeah, Brothers exactly. with Draymond. Like they they have some depth issues and some wing issues, but overall they could be depth. a really good team. But with Clay being out. For probably most of the year, I think that that's going to be tough to overcome in the West. Yes, yeah, so, and I and you just look at the Kings and what they're bringing back. The guy that just broke the three point record. You have Harrison Barnes, who is actually not a bad piece. You have what Bogdan or Bohan, or which uh, they, they've got Bogdan Bogdanovich, <laughs> okay, Bogdan man. son of Bogdan, first of his name. Those you got one of those guys. Um, and then you, the team's just getting better, and they pushed for a they pushed for a playoff spot last year. Mm-hmm. And they're they upgraded guys, their backup point guard yeah. from from Yogi Ferrell to Corey Joseph. And they're they're going to be um, good. They you can argue that they up, upgraded their center position from Willie Cauley Stein to oh the the guy they just signed in Atlanta. He was in Atlanta last year, the three point shooter. We all uh, liked De- him, Deadman, Deadman, Dwayne Deadman. Um, if it's their style of play, yeah, and they have Harry Giles coming back. They have Marvin Bagley the third. They're gonna run with they're more gonna experience, be, and they're gonna be really good. And they got close to playoff uh, appearance this time. And a year older, a year more experienced. These guys are still young. They can still run and shoot threes. I think Golden State right now is currently constructed with Clay's injury. They're the fourth best team in California, and that might be a hot take. Woo. But I mean, I have I would have no problems seeing Sacramento winning that season series with Golden State. Yeah. It's a so fun little fun little bay rivalry. Yeah. I, I feel like of these seven teams, besides the Clippers and Milwaukee, I can easily identify like problems and issues with each team. Like we just talked about Golden State. Yep. Uh the Sixers, who do who is their guy? Who do they go to whenever they need a bucket, you know? Toby. They I mean they paid him to do that. Definitely, but, but can you know? he? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of he, times where Jimmy carried them. I mean, last the, year. the playoffs. Yeah, you know, Jimmy was the guy. When, whenever push came to shove, they put the ball in Jimmy's hands and said, "Go make something happen." They've got a lot of dudes, but I'm not sure that they have. I don't know if Toby can be a number one guy. Right. I don't know if Josh Richardson can be a number one guy. Yeah, I forgot about Josh. Richardson. Yeah, so so the Sixers are an interesting one. The Rockets. I mean. We've talked at length about this. You're putting two of the highest usage players in NBA history on the same team. One of them who can't shoot. So which that, one's that? Uh, I don't want to talk. Answer. I don't want to talk about it. Hey, do you think that now they play on the same team that Russ is going to finally get foul calls? He never received an OKC. Over the I past think three years. Russ is going to shoot like 36 percent from three next year. 100 percent. It's just going to happen. I don't, he's he's going to find his shot. It's just. Again. It's that's going to be what happens. The thing that's most. Sorry, I'm getting on a Rockets tangent. Okay, go for it. I find it fascinating that the Rockets traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, and I feel like they're going to be more likable next year. Like, if you had told me 
last year that putting James Harden and Russell Westbrook on a team would make them more likable. It's crazy. Yeah. But I think it's true. No, I'm with you. Uh, Utah, I really like Utah, but I think Utah has some serious question marks on whenever you go up against the Clippers, whenever you go up against the Lakers, whenever you go up against uh, the Sixers, whenever you have to guard a big wing like a Kawhi, like a Paul George, like a LeBron, I don't know who Utah has to do that. Joe Ingles? Mm. Like, all those Mormons better go to church and just start praying because that's all they got, you know? (laughs) That's what Rudy's for. You don't have to guard him. You just got to stop him at the rim. Um, The Lakers, you all know my... My take on the Lakers, like make the playoffs first, bro. There, although I do think they have a better supporting the banner. Yeah, I think they do have a better supporting cast this year than they did last Danny year. Danny Green, Danny Green, it's going to be Danny Green and LeBron James together are going to be good. I'm I just think saying, Danny's a very underrated signing. Rondo, yeah. Javale McGee, mm, Javale. Uh, who else? They got. He'd, he'd be a good big three player. Oh god, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, all right, any parting thoughts before we get out of here, guys? Not really, no. I'm excited for the big three today. Yeah, it's going to be fun. See uh, see, see what Agent Zero's got in the tank today. Yeah, it's going to be good. Agent Zero, hopefully he doesn't bring his gun into the locker room. Hey. Uh, Might make things more fun. Who knows? Accidentally crossed. Dis- accidentally I mean, it, it is Oklahoma, you know. So. Free open carry. All right, <laughs> <laughs> let's get out of here. Thank you guys for checking out our podcast. We appreciate you. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to us wherever you download your podcasts at. You can also find us on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Blue Wire is on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Kamiar. Kamiar, you just changed your app. Yeah, man. What is it? It's K Marabian. Just figure it out. At K Marabian CCM. At K Marabian CCM. I am at Thundermob405. You guys have a great week. We will be back with you later on in the week unless something crazy happens like a Chris Paul trade. Don't think it'll happen, but if it does, we'll drop an emergency pod. I think that's all I got. Thunder up, man. Thunder up. Love you. Maybe we'll get the big three to take Chris Paul while they're here. Maybe Taylor will wake up one time next time. I think Taylor just showed up, so. Good job. All right. Bye. Bye. Love you guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.